Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. I'm with Mark. How's it going, Mark? It's going good. Cool. So today we're going to talk about something a lot of people you know, want to hear about. It's one of these things that people dream of like having, but that's not very sexy to necessarily do. And that's hiring writers to replace you at the writing part of running websites, essentially. And so a lot of people ask us a lot of questions. We have done a comparison post with Sparin where we talk about, you know, the different content writing <coughs> services available out there. But today we're, not, we're more going to talk about hiring, you know, people maybe that are not part of a service like text broker, for example. So it's going to be slightly different. It's mostly going to be Mark talking. And the main reason why is because Mark's doing all the hiring for us for writers. So Mark, first of all, I mean, not necessarily for us, but when should people hire writers and when should they write themselves still, you know? Okay, so the first thing I want to say is if, you, if anyone wants to follow along, we're probably going to mention a bunch of sites and whatnot. So the show notes for this podcast are going to be available at authorityhacker.com forward slash 68. That will redirect to whatever the, the podcast page is. And that's um, why you do the intro usually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the second thing actually is that Authority Hacker Pro, yes, it's uh, it's coming back. So um, Finally. as we're recording this in April 2017, it's going to be next month. So in May 2017, you will be able to get into Authority Hacker Pro if you sign up to the advanced list at authorityhacker.com forward slash pro. There's always a bunch of early bird discounts and cool stuff for people who are signed up there. So make sure you do that. Yeah. Um, when was the last time we opened it? Actually? It was September 2016. So what's that, like eight, nine months ago? Something yeah. Like that. Just saying, um, it's not available very often. So if, if you've been waiting, you definitely want to watch out for that. Yeah. So back to the question, like when should you hire a writer? I mean, there's many, many ways to answer this. And it really, I'm not going to cop out of this by saying it depends, but it really, it does depend. I mean, I know some people who, for example, are not native English speakers, so they, they can't really do the writing themselves. So they, they don't really have much choice but to, to hire a writer. One thing you and I talk about a lot is... Doing, doing it yourself first before you outsource it or before you hire people for that role. So for many of our sites, well, most of our sites, in fact, we actually written content ourselves before we actually go and hire people to do, it, to do it for us. And that just gives you a kind of like much more deeper feel of what's required and it helps you get to know the, the niche a little bit better. And just uh, there's so many of these like intangible benefits from doing that. It's just a really, really good thing. I think the, the main advantage of doing that is it helps you build templates, like repeatable formats that you can use. So yeah. then you just give that format to your writer. And, you know, we give a bunch of these formats in H4. Actually, that's part, part of the course. But, you know, then you can just use these formats and just say, here's an example post. You've done it exactly the way you want. You spent, you know, way too much time on it usually. But that means that if you can take what you've made like the perfect way and give that to a writer that will do 90% as good as you, then, and you can do that a thousand times, then you're in a really good position. Whereas if you try to outsource to a writer directly, it's going to be their vision shaping your site and it's not that yeah, they just pay per hour. They don't care that much. You know? If you just say, here's the keyword, give me a 1500 word article, you know, even the best writers are going to get something back to you that's, you know, acceptable. 
but that's really where the difference between good and great content lies in your ability to sort of shape how yeah. that that transpires. So yeah. I mean, Atari Hacker is a good example, right? It's like I wrote it for a year and a half before we got anyone to start writing content. Now I'm basically not writing the blog anymore, although I'd love to write a few blog posts this year. The reason Perrin has a good idea of what's expected is because written so much before and like he's able to like inspire himself from what we've done he's bringing his style to it and slightly different but if you compare what he wrote on niche process compared to what he writes on atari hacker it's very different that's because he had a model to shape after you know yeah so i mean like assuming that someone has started the site themselves they've written the first 10 or you know 100 or so articles themselves even what is when is the point when you should look into to hiring a writer it really comes down to like a time versus money equation and that's why i said earlier you know it's different it really depends different for each site generally when you're making a bit of bit of money that you can kind of start to support at least part of the budget for content if not all of it then um that's a good time to write and that can like free up your own time to do other things, more important things, do more keyword research, uh, you know, look at different types of content, various, various things. Like that. Basically, when you, your time is the bottleneck in the equation, that's when you, you need to, to hire a writer, if not a little bit before that happens. Because as we discovered in many of our sites, like w- when we're the bottleneck and it's like really a problem, that's actually when it's also most difficult to find the time to hire a writer and hiring, yeah. hiring takes time. It's not just, uh, uh, even when someone's trained up, it's not like a one-click, give them the keyword, they'll produce content. You need to manage people, you need to work with them, and you need to uh, monitor it closely. So even, it's still going to take, uh, versus you writing it yourself, you know, 10, 20% of that time, at least, just in management and oversight. That's what most people that never hired people don't realize, right? They think they're going to be able to just spend money and, and it's done for them. It's rarely the case. Uh, and until you have like different layers of management inside your company, etc., which you're not going to have for a long time, to be honest, you're probably, yeah, I, I would even say like 25, 30% of the time it would take to write a blog post just to manage people. Like, I mean, I, I can see it with different sites. Like, I'm a bit involved with Health Ambition, I'm a bit involved with Atari Hacker and some other sites as well. And I'll take the example of Perrin because most people know it that listen, but like any blog post he writes, there's like probably like 150 messages on each side on Slack, just talking about the article, figuring it out, tweaking it, giving feedback, etc. plus whatever is on the Google Doc when he writes it. So for every job, especially writing, you're going to have to give feedback and especially at the beginning. Right. So we've been talking about it kind of like from the point of view of someone who's starting, you know, their first site. They're just kind of getting to know this industry. But for you or I, there's a many other people as well. There's there's a little bit of a different case. So now when we're starting new sites, we have a very good idea, like 95 plus percent confidence that it's going to work out at least to some level and in that situation when we really know what we're doing it's okay i think to actually spend the money and you know hire people and when all we really need to do is get the content and links up there on the site obviously yeah but i do see when we start a new site like there's definitely a period at the beginning where we work very closely to the writers to really establish the vision still you know yeah it doesn't change the principles and the practice for how you work with them that it all does is brings forward the point when you actually start engaging a writer. 
and it can also be the case that you know for many of these these niches like we don't actually know too much about it so um hiring a writer is kind of like essential because we couldn't do it ourselves really or it would take a, a huge amount of time to get up to speed Another thing is like another another point is like when you know that you're making money with what you do and you want to do more of it, that's when you you try to hire not necessarily one writer, sometimes as many as you can that will you know fit the bill. Like that's we're we're in that position, for example, on a few sites right now, and we're like you know we need to get as many writers as we can, and we know we put a dollar in it. There's like three dollars that come on the other side, mm-hmm. and so and so that that is one case as well when you're like well you absolutely need to hire writers and i think especially for the people that are in that situation the stuff you're going to talk about later it's going to be uh quite interesting because it allows to you know it's reputable and you can find many writers essentially so let's go into the hiring process actually like how do you go when you hire writers okay so the way i think about it is kind of like a big funnel almost like a sales funnel with various stages and at each stage, you're kind of filtering out people until you get to the, the final person or people you're, you're going to hire. So the first task or the first stage of the hiring funnel is in getting applicants. So to do that, you obviously need to tell people that you're hiring. Usually that would be done by a, a job ad, although there are some other ways. I'll mention those a little bit later. But basically, you, you need to get applicants applying for the role. And usually you want to have like a high number of these. I mean, it really depends on the niche, the industry, like how, how many people you're trying to get. Recent example is like Health Ambition. We had over 600 applicants to a job ad we, we specified, we had uh, put up recently, which was an absolutely nightmare to filter through and check them all and, and whatnot. But it's quite a good thing because we got quite a large selection of really high quality applicants. So that would be the first stage. Once you have the the applicants, the first stage, it's not really selecting the best ones. It's rather unselecting the worst ones. So you're looking for an excuse to filter out anyone who's unsuitable. Now, the obvious thing for writers, I mean, depending on where you are, would probably be English ability. So for all of our sites, we hire native English speakers or nearly native English speakers uh, as good Or some as. weird French guy to start a tiny hacker. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, uh, so but it's, a, it's a really, really important thing. So little uh, details on someone's application, like if they don't start a sentence with a capital I, for example, those things matter for this. It, it doesn't really matter if they're applying for, a, you know, designer role or something but for a, a writer role those are hugely important so look look for that i mean it it's it kind of sucks in a way but i i screen for country so if someone's from the philippines or india i would tend to discount them 99 percent of the time and that's not because i'm a massive racist or something it's just because people from those countries they don't have native english i'm sorry but it's just it's true to further defense, we actually had a really good writer that wrote for some, for some Ontario hacker stuff that did quite well as well. So some of them can be good. It's just much lower chance, you know. That's why I said 99% of the time, not not 100% of the time. But you're, you're right on that for sure. So tend to look for, for um, US, UK, Canada, Australia, even like South Africa. There are a few other countries like this. But yeah. And then I also look for qualifications. So I'm not talking, I don't really care if anyone's been to university or not. In most niches, that really doesn't matter. 
But you want to look for people who have some kind of writing background. So if they've done this before, they know how to write an article. They have a portfolio, or they've they can send you some samples.、Um, if they don't have any of that, they just you know they're an eager individual that want needs to make some money for a bit. Then it's pr- they're probably a bad applicant. So any kind of excuse like that, I would I would get rid of those people or not. Move those people forward to the next stage. And the third main criteria for for the initial part of filtering would be cost. So, something which I I'll talk about this a little bit later. But in a lot of the application forms I, I specify, I ask people what their salary is. I ask what their current salary is because a lot of people, when you ask what their expected salary is, they tend to, depending on which country they're from, they tend to over exaggerate that massively. So by Asking them what their current one is, you get a much more realistic idea. And if someone's like, "Oh, you know, I'm I currently make three hundred thousand dollars a year," you could probably discount that person. I mean, unless you're in some really big niche that I'm not aware of, but that tends to be quite a lot. And we will talk a little bit later about how much we actually pay writers to give you an idea. Those are the three criteria: so like English qualifications, experience, and cost. So after you've gotten rid, that, that, remember that's just to get rid of the people who you don't want. Then you should have a pool. How much percentage of the people that apply get off at this stage already? Probably fifty to sixty, fifty to seventy percent. It varies a lot. For health admission, it was a little bit higher. For authority hacker, it was actually a little bit lower. That's because we mailed the list, though. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, those I don't know, just higher higher quality of applicants, I think, overall. So yeah. But you'd be surprised; you still get some horrific ones in in both.、Uh, it's quite funny. So then, yeah, after you've filtered out those people, then you want to then create some kind of way to screen the next group or、uh, screen the selected group. And the way I like to do it is have one, sometimes several stages or rounds of of the application, and each stage. Moving people forward who I I like and kicking out people who I dislike, and there can be various ways for doing this. A lot of things you're screening for are just little, like simple things, like meeting a can they meet a deadline. So if if you set someone, you know, just asking them a few questions, a few simple questions, and they have to respond within 48 hours, but they can't do that. Chances are, if someone's not able to respond to an interview or to a A job application process within forty eight hours, they're not going to be that responsive of a person in general, and maybe you don't want to hire them. I tend to want to work with people who are, you know, online all the time and checking their email and that kind of thing. So that's quite why it's quite important. At that stage, also, I mean, depending on on the the situation, I sometimes ask people to write test pieces. So it could be a full article. Sometimes it could be to correct something, or sometimes it could be just to write. You know,、uh, two or three paragraphs about a specific topic, which I know that they'll need to understand the niche in order to really get. This kind of overlaps a little bit with the next section, but basically the goal here is to filter down to to get the people who really want it. Again, at this stage, you can screen for things like motivation and who really wants to work for you. It's always a good thing to to check for. So. Once we're at this next stage, we're looking at actually getting them to to write something. And again, it it could come into the previous stage or not. But yeah. So depending on the platform, like whether it's Upwork or Problogger, or I'll mention some of the others as well. 
but I'll either pay people to write a test article, or if we're well known, such as like for Authority Hacker, I'll just ask them to do it for free. And it's not an article we're going to publish on the site. The purpose of the test article is to you give everybody the same exact same article. Yeah, we have so many of that test article. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for I mean, we're not going to use it again. So I can I guess I'll say it now. But for Authority Hacker, for example, we asked everyone to do a review, a thousand word review of Thirsty Affiliates, which is a WordPress pl- affiliate plugin. It's free, so anyone can use it and anyone can try it out and test it. So we asked them all to do that. And that way, it's just really easy to compare everybody equally. Because, you know, if you give people different topics, some can be easier to write about than others, just depending on the luck of the draw. So it might not really be fair. And if you're having to pay for them, as I do, for example, Upwork for test articles, it can be expensive, you know, if you're paying 30, 40, 50 bucks per, per test. But it's so worth it if you if it stands you a better chance of hiring a good writer who will last long term. And so once you filtered it down further, you really should be at like only a handful of people by this point, if not one. And the final stage, and again, this just does vary depending on the, the platform, but would be to actually hire those people and then assess them for, you know, a month or X number of articles. But during that early stage, it's absolutely okay. If people don't work out or you just you just don't click with them when you're working together, then uh, get rid of them. But it's better to have these kind of mistakes and stuff early on than to work with someone for six months then like start hating yourself about it. So Yeah, but to to temper that a bit, I want to say that it's also normal that people have an adaptation time when you hire them. So you also want to give them some time. And I don't know if he's going to be happy if I say that, but like, for example, Lewis on Atari, like we didn't publish a single word of what he wrote in the first months. Like he had to rewrite everything over and over for like five weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Now he's working out to be like really, really good, you know? So it just shows that while there's definitely an, a period, probation period for people, you also need to give them some time and you need to expect to give them some training as well because even though the hiring process is very extensive, uh, these people still need to learn a whole new job, especially if you have a very precise style like we have for a lot of things, even on, on health ambition and stuff, like our articles are very are all structured the same way and so on. And it's very, very precise and, 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 and you need to be willing to invest a little bit in people as well. Like You, you need to kind of have that eye for potential, basically, yeah. rather than... I think I think it is quite obvious like when some if someone isn't hitting isn't doing a, the exactly as you want on the first try that's like really normal it's just very rare for that to happen but what to look for is like how they react when you tell them to rewrite something from scratch like are they like furious at you and like you know or I don't want to uh, talk too much about it cuz he's going to write the show notes for that <laughs> podcast so, yeah. <laughs> but no I mean like it's all part of a learning process and for example with Lewis one of the things I said when we hired him was like it's good the first month is going to suck you're going to Gail's going to delete stuff and you're going to have to <laughs> write it from scratch all that so he was well prepared for that and he he, he handled it very very well so yeah, exactly that you know Okay, so that's basically like the the overall process, just to to give you kind of an idea. And I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about some of those parts and share some of the the tips we have on how to do that. In the next section as well, I'm going to mention some of the sites we use to to hire people. Let's jump in. Okay, so the the job ad first. Yeah, so so the job ad is crucial. 
If you write a good job ad, you'll get something like 10 times more applicants than a bad job ad. I showed an example of this. I forget. I think it was an Authority Hacker Pro. Um, yeah, yeah. My, it was a webinar, I think. My, yeah. There was basically two examples of, of health sites, writer job ads. Uh, one was badly written and one was well written. And you can see in Upwork how many people applied. And the one which was well written had 10 times as many applicants. And it was similar pay, similar sort of setup, you know, all that. So this is really important to get applicants in at the top of your funnel. But the way I always like to start a job ad is, first of all, to introduce yourself. So, hey, I'm Mark, one of the founders of Health Ambition, yada, yada, yada. That kind of like explains a little bit about you. For something that's really crucial in there, it's really subtle as well. You're actually telling the applicant your name. So if you see applications come in, you know, dear sir, madam, or hi there, then that's actually like, I discount a lot of those people really quickly. I like um, how we do that for outreach, but we expect people not to do that when they talk to us. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's, it's true because like, if you're applying for a job, it's much more of a specific thing. Yeah. Like you want them to have paid attention to your job ad. If they're just copying and pasting the same application cover letter over and over again, how much do they really want your job, you know? So I like to introduce myself by name and give a little bit of info about like the site. In the case of like health ambition, I'd maybe talk about like how many readers a month we get because uh, it's quite high or how long we've been established for or something like that. And then really there's no point in making it longer than it needs to be. Just after that little introduction, get straight into it. So what is the job? We want to hire a full-time writer, part-time writer, freelance writer to work to write X number of articles per week, per month, however long, at X word count, approximately. So be very specific there. Different writers will work on different sort of time basis and they, some write faster than others. So if you're specific, you can give them an idea of how much of their time it's, it's going to take, take up. Most people would probably be working on um, like hiring people on a like per article or for X number of articles rather than, you know, full-time or part-time. So again, try and be specific on that. But the next next section would be talking about the what, what kind of person you're looking for. So we've introduced ourselves, we've said what the job is, and now we're saying who we want to hire. So if there's anything specific here, which is related to your niche, that's really important. So if you're, for example, in the health niche and, you know, you're doing reviews of juicers, you might need someone who has their own juicer at home or is, can make their own recipes or, or something like that. So if there's any like technical specifications there, then you need to say that. I try to like limit all of the the bullshit basically where people is like, oh, you know, you, you're a team player and, and this kind of stuff. <laughs> there you're are- You're as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I would always mention, you know, attention to detail, super important. But I would like overemphasize that because it really is for our, our roles. I mean, applicant writers see like dozens of job ads. So if you can like be as clear as what you want as possible, then uh, they really appreciate that, I find. So I, I tend just to have that in like bullet points, maybe like four or five bullet points. And then finish off by giving them an application process. So 
sometimes i've tried it both ways uh I've had wait, people, wait 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 i see the notes you say if they have apple gears say, say so what does that mean oh no so just saying like if you're doing a tech site oh, okay. for example and you're reviewing apple products you're gonna want to have like an apple fanboy you're not gonna want to have okay. a pc nerd. i thought that was another hate crime against apple customers you know no 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 we're, we're equal opportunity employers <laughs> when it comes to apple versus okay. pc here so the final point of the application process is give them a way to apply. I've tried both ways with like having the applicants send you their resume and cover letter. I've also tried making application forms. Now, for many types of roles, having a resume is useful. I think for having for writers, it's at least at the initial stage, it's kind of useless for a number of reasons because you're essentially comparing people based on their ability to write a resume versus which is not the actual task or really that relevant to the ability to write you know an article in your specific niche like resume writing is a skill in itself and i, I don't think it's a i just don't think it's worth going through them all plus it takes a lot of time and you always get like different formats and you can never figure out quite i what don't people, even read them actually want. So that's why I've moved more and more these days into having an application form. I use Google Forms, you can, which is free. Uh, you can use, you know, Wufu or any of these form builders, Gravity Forms, if you want. And that way, I make everyone answer the same questions, and it's much easier to compare people directly. So the four areas I'm looking, four bits of information I'm really looking to to gather, or, or five really. One is like who you are, so you know your name, where you're from where you currently live. That's important because, um, I mean, wh where you're from is, 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 again, it's to do with like the English thing and where you live at the moment, you know, if someone's in the other side of the world, time zone can be a bit of an issue. So that's something I like to screen for as well. Uh, then I'm looking at motivation. So why are you applying for this role is something I ask a lot. And uh, it's kind of like an open-ended question, but it just gives you a bit more of a feel for the person. If someone can answer that question quite well, like grabs my attention from it, then that's someone I'm definitely going to pay a lot of attention to because it's, I mean, you, you want people who are motivated to work for you, for your, your company, not just because they need money to pay their bills. There's a huge difference in the quality between those two like areas of motivation, I guess. So the third thing I'm screening for would be like work samples. And I just simply say or give me three urls of work which you've written and had published online and if they haven't got that then usually they'll be discounted but it just allows me to quickly check the links and you know have a browse through and yeah well, one thing i want to be careful of is like when people like say they've published on blogspot or they've published on wordpress.com you know these kind of like free blogs platforms so it's like you expect some like an established writer to have published on at least your websites and stuff and well i mean uh, honestly for me it doesn't matter if someone's you know got all their work published in the new york times 10 times a day then they're going to be really expensive but if someone's actually a really good writer but they've only actually they've never published anything they just have their own like blog spot blog where they just because they like writing about it then that can actually be a really, really, really good writer. Yeah, not, but not quite so expensive. 
I've never seen applications of like someone with like a really impressive blogspot or WordPress.com. Like at least people had their own domains if if it was good, you know. True, true. It's just like you know the the level of commitment was higher. By the way, I was just wondering: Are we giving the manual to apply for all our jobs so that you're gonna have to come up with a whole new process right now? Ha, no, not really, because the <laughs> same the same thing's still true. Like if you're motivated to, I mean, I can tell you. I'm not telling you what to say to that will demonstrate right. that you're motivated. I'm just saying that you need to demonstrate that. But anyone who you know with half a brain who's reading it would reading the application would kind of understand that anyway. So, so you're implying people that don't answer properly don't have half a brain, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, um, just just asking. <laughs> <laughs> like third or fourth thing, I lost count now. Uh, we're looking for is like availability. So you want to see like this is especially true if you you just want to hire someone you know for a couple of articles a week like what other jobs do they have like are they a full-time freelancer with many other clients do they have a full-time job and they're working for you in the evening that's not really a good position to to hire from because uh those people tend to get busy and like drained from their their job so you want someone who's kind of focuses on writing usually at least so that's another thing to screen for. And, and uh, the last thing would be what their current salary or their current rate would be. So you want to check that again because you want to hire people who you can afford. I'll talk about pricing in a little bit, but there's no point in wasting their time or your time if they're too expensive. Or similarly, if someone's... I've never really had too many situations where a wretch has been too cheap although that might be a little bit of a red flag right there. It tends to be if, if writers uh, underprice themselves, then the, they may get offers elsewhere or very quickly they'll they'll ask for increases. So yeah, just be aware of that. But I think asking for their what they make at the moment is a, is a good thing. And especially with writers, they really should know what this is because they're freelancers at the end of the day. They have to set their rates and whatnot. Although I have found that there's really not that much of a linear yeah. result or comparison. I'm not sure the right word is there, but between how much someone charges and how good their writing is, it seems to be quite random from, I mean, after a certain point. From, from Yeah, the really cheap ones, they're usually pretty bad. But like, yeah, once you get above a, like, I don't know, like, like three, four cents per word, maybe, then that's when it's like, it seems to be more based on what people's perception of themselves is rather than like anything else mm -hmm. or, or what they live. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, I haven't been able to find like a consistent way around this, to, to be honest with you. It's just when you have someone say, oh, you know, I charge 50 cents a word, take it or leave it with like a bit of an attitude around it. I mean, a 50 cents a word is way too high for a start. But yeah. Uh, I don't know. Don't know where I was going with that, but yeah. Okay, that's fine. What's the next point? Okay, so I mean that's that's basically it for the the job ad. But now, so, so where do we post that job ad? Like, how do we get applicants? Because I think a lot of people will probably struggle with that. Yeah. So if you want to know the actual places currently where we hire from, there it's Upwork and Problogger, and we've tried a few others in the past. They haven't worked out. I'm going to talk about Upwork and Problogger first. So Upwork. I mean, most people probably know that by now. It's a freelancer hiring platform. It's the biggest one in the world. It's not really built for writers because you either do hourly contracts or fixed price contracts. You can't do, you know, X amount per word. So it's a bit kind of awkward and you have to do kind of milestone payments and release those via escrow and stuff. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit complicated. 
but it's free to post a job ad on there. So that's a really good place to start. And if you write your job ad well, uh, follow the guidelines I said, it's really good. And you can really get a lot of applicants. I mean, it's we consistently get sort of 40 to 70 applicants for jobs for health admission on, on Upwork. Yeah, but doesn't Upwork take a large commission now? Uh, yeah. Didn't that change? I mean, it takes Upwork takes 15%. Although I forget the metrics. Like The more you work with them, the cheaper it gets on mm. one, one contract. But honestly, like to get a good writer, it's it's worth it. I mean, a lot of people like I don't think we've done it. Maybe we have. A lot of people move people off of Upwork, uh, future dates and stuff. Check the terms and service for all that legal stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah, it it is a good place to find writers. It's free to advertise. If you're starting out, I would tend to start there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have like the a pretty smooth like workflow system as well. So you don't have to build your own application forms. It's all done within the tool. You can hire people in there. All payments are automatic, which is a big thing for writers. They appreciate like a bit of security around that. So yeah, I would start there. Where we also look at, we've looked at a lot more recently actually, is the Pro Blogger Jobs Board. And I think it's problogger dot com now or is it still dot net i forget let me just check actually we'll, we'll put it in the show notes probably.com slash jobs yeah so they're pretty good uh, in fact they're really good they're quite sort of high end it's a jobs board as uh, as we said there are many other jobs boards out jobs boards out there but for some reason this one just seems to get uh, attract a lot of very high quality writers who are kind of like doing the style which we which we need or which we we've come to expect it's paid, so you have to pay, I think it's $70 for a job ad. Although, it's funny because I'm actually checking the ball right now, and I see a bunch of H-Pro members in there, actually. Yeah, <laughs> although it's totally worth spending. If you spend 140 then basically they feature or they sticky your job ad for 30 days. And so the, the health ambition job ad we did where we had 600 applicants, it was uh, I paid 140 bucks and it got stickied. And it, there was a pretty consistent flow of applicants over that 30-day period, so... I would definitely recommend doing that, spending that extra extra 70 bucks. You get many more applicants. In, in that case, I always do like uh, Google Forms and direct people to apply um, that way. And one other thing for pro bloggers, they're a little bit awkward with like logo size and placements. It has to be like square and all this stuff. But like it's worth spending five minutes actually doing that right. Because you'll notice most people on there have like squished up logos and just looks weird. I think those little things make like a big difference to the the top kind of writers when they're they're applying. Like they're, they're much more drawn towards your ad over the other dozen or so health health sites advertising up there. So yeah, those are the two which we currently use. We have used others in the past. Um, we've used Textbroker, which is Textbroker is like a writing platform specifically for ordering content. I think it's actually like one of the biggest in the world or the biggest in the yeah, world. Yeah, they're really big. It's good. It's decent. You can get sort of variable quality from it, though. They have fixed pricing, and it's the pricing is very good, actually. It's 2.4 cents per word for the four star, which is kind of like good enough. Um, but then it jumps to 7.2 cents per word for the, the five star, which isn't really that yeah. much better from my experience. I mean, I built a whole case study site for the authority system with TextBroker, actually. I really wanted to make it like people yeah. would do it, and we recommend... Beginners use text broker just because it's very easy. But what I did is 
you know, at the beginning, I put my briefs just on a general open order thing where anyone can pick it up. Then whenever I got a good, really good article, I literally tipped that guy like 20 bucks, 30 bucks. And I was like, hey, I got more. Can you finish quick? And I'll send you another 30 bucks, you know. Mm-hmm. And because the price per word is really low anyway, it's like it was still very cheap because, you know, I outsourced like 50 pieces of content to that guy. But like the fact that I was like, hey, if you finish this by this date, I'll tip you. Then he was really onto it, you know. And so that worked pretty well for me. Like, I mean, I'm not going to say the content is like super stellar quality, but it's definitely, it was a way to lock in the quality of like one guy that I liked, essentially. Yeah, I think that's the key with uh, with text brokers, actually like building your team within the platform. Because if, if you keep sending out, if you keep yeah. getting different writers each time, you can't really get past that initial like training phase that we, we talked about earlier. It's one of these things where you need to tip as well. It's like, it's a low price per word and writers don't get paid much. Mm. But, you know, like if you hired on Upwork, you'd probably pay more. And ProBlogger, for sure, you would pay more per word, you know? So you need to be willing to just, you know, take some of that price difference and use it as bonuses for your writers to keep them motivated. And I think that's the way to do, to get pretty decent quality from TextBroker. Yep. So one other way which we've, we've used in the past as well for one of our sites, and this worked really well, is just actually reaching out to writers personally. Not just writers, but bloggers as well. So I forget exactly what they were, but it's something like niche, like so if it's like juicing plus, and then in, in inverted commas, hire me, or juicing plus writer plus hire me, or juicing plus blogger yeah. plus hire me. If, if you search, type that into Google, you can find loads and loads of writers who have their own WordPress sites and are blogging away, but maybe not making very much money from it and want to pick up uh, some work actually actually writing. And you can find some really, really good writers this way. And many of them don't even... Um, they're not really aware of like the the whole freelancer marketplace or, or anything like that. So you can get them very good writers before your competition can at like a pretty decent rate as well. So I definitely recommend trying that out if you want to if you want something a little bit different. It can definitely be a good way to go. And I guess the same is true for any kind of like influencer. So like I'm not quite sure. Like maybe you can tell me the story. Like how did you hire Perrin? How did I hire Perrin? I knew him already, to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's, that's how, like, I got to know him from the, God, some people are going to hate me for talking about this. I got to know him from the, the Niche Proceeds podcast when we did it. But the thing is, like, his work with Spencer, like, was going to end anyway, right? It's like, not like I pushed him away or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, so it's more like, uh, it's, it came at a time when, you know, Spencer sold uh, Longtail Pro and a bunch of stuff and, you know, shifted more towards VA and so on. And, you know, Perrin was more like more part of that niche side stuff that he he does, but not as much anymore. And so like it, it was a mutual agreement between them. And we had been talking for a long time. So it was pretty easy. You know, Perrin was doing well with his uh, hip hop, but he wanted to, you know, reinvest aggressively. So he didn't want to use the money to, to leave, etc. So that's how it came, basically. Okay. Uh, so I mean, like the people in your personal network, like people who you you know through just being in the industry, you'd be surprised. Like quite a lot of people over time will will end up like looking for work. So you know, it's quite hard to quantify or give a specific strategy for this, other than like reach out to your personal network or approach your your personal network. But it, it really can work in in, in some cases. The last way, which I would say, is uh, you can try an agency. 
I've never had any success with those, with any of them. The reason being, I mean, you get good agencies and bad agencies, but at the end of the day, all a writing or a content agency or any kind of marketing agency is doing is they're acting as a middleman between you and the writer. So if you know these strategies and follow the tips uh, that, that you're listening to in this podcast, then you're essentially doing almost exactly the same as what anyone from uh, an agency is going to be doing just you know you're you're doing it yourself you're doing it direct okay maybe you make a few mistakes the first time you do it but you can definitely um undercut them because you know they have to add in their own profit margins and and that in 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 there too so that's why we differ from Perrin actually because Perrin does use an agency yeah he does he does but yeah i'm i'm pretty glad I mean, we tried the same agency. I'm not going to mention them, but they it didn't work out so well for us. But there you go. It is what it is. If you're starting, though, like, honestly, go to Upwork or really, really, if you're starting, go to the text broker. But for the more higher end stuff, ProBlogger is probably the, the way to go. So, yeah. Okay. So how much would you pay people? So I am going to give specific numbers in a second. As I said before, I just want to say that there's no exact amount you should pay people. It, this is a free market. It's, a, it's kind of like heavily reliant on supply and demand. There is a huge supply of writers out there. As a result, I think some of them charge way too much money. And I think some people pay it just because they're not aware of how many writers there are out yeah. there. This in some niches. I'm talking about niches like health, for example. That's that's definitely the case. I think there's a lot of like funded startups inflating prices as well, et cetera. Like in a tech niche, for example. Yeah. Uh, you know, like startup raised a round of $2 million or something or whatever, even 500000 then they completely like you know they they have a marketing CMO guy. They're just like, oh, we're gonna have a blog and content, etc. And then they just hire like at Silicon Valley prices. Yeah, <laughs> completely like that startup's gone in six months when they run out of money most of the time. But they completely overinflate the prices as well. So so that's why there's a big disparity because the price people are willing to pay does is very often unrelated to how much money they're able to generate from that content because there very few people are able to tell how much money they make from that content. Yeah, I would say less than 1% of people who hire writers actually have any idea whether they're getting an ROI or like how much ROI they're they're getting specifically from, you know, from each article. And until re- fairly recently in some of our sites Us we too, yeah. have any idea. Really <laughs> that's until what we talk like, about because we yeah. made that mistake, you know. Yeah, exactly. So with that in mind, bear in mind, there's several ways to pay a writer. You can pay them per word, per article, or per hour. Or, you know, if like full time, you would pay them like a, a salary. So I, I group that in the same sort of category as, as per hour. It's like time-based. I would say that per word is, for freelance, at least per word is probably the best. Assuming you set a strict like word count limit, so they can't just keep writing more and more and get paid more. I find a lot of the time if you set a per article price, they tend to kind of like pad the, the article quite a bit to try and get through as many as quickly as possible. I mean, this can happen on a per word basis a lot as well, which is why you always, always need to, to check the work and uh, to have someone, if not yourself, overseeing things and, and regularly giving them, them, them feedback. But I, I did find as well that like paying, paying per article can result in a bit of inflexibility. So for certain keywords, we will write longer articles than for other keywords. 
So if you have someone who you pay, I don't know, 30 bucks or 50 bucks an article, let's say 50 bucks an article, and then you keep changing the word count up and down, then it gets a little bit tricky to calculate how much you owe them at the end of the week or end of the month. So that's why I just think it's much more flexible having a, a per word basis for, for how to do that. And for obvious reasons, per hour is probably not recommended just because people will probably write a lot slower that way than, than otherwise. You don't really have a good way to measure how fast they should be writing. It's quite difficult because everyone kind of writes at different speeds, so you can't tell if that's good for them or not. And in different ways as well. They could be yeah. doing more research, write faster. I don't know. It depends. You know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, yeah, how much you actually pay them depends on the niche. A good price guideline is at a minimum you probably want to be paying about three cents per word anything below that i mean we have hired writers for for less before and one or two of them have been decent but in 2017 at least that's kind of the the floor or that's the baseline for what you need to pay to get someone who's good on a freelance basis up to i would say and again, this is highly niche dependent. So certain industries or so even some of our sites, we, we pay more than this, but it's like a little bit more technical and stuff up to about six cents per word. If something requires a lot of research or, you know, you're doing tons of videos and stuff as well, maybe it'd be more. Uh, I mean, that that's a separate thing, how you want to do videos as well. But I have seen, like to give you an idea, so that's three, six cents per word is about, what you'd want to pay. Now, I, I know that's quite a big range. Uh, six cents is double what three cents is. But really, there is, I can't really be any more specific than that. Well, what I will say is that I've heard that bigger, sort of like national US kind of companies, multinationals, they pay something in the region of 10 to 15 cents per word for their content. But at the end of the day, they're getting almost the same as what three to six cents per word writer would be. And in many cases, it's the same writers just because they're big companies. They can charge them more for that. Like I know when, uh, Gail, when you and I were doing uh, like SEO, digital marketing, when we had our agency, for the, like the Fortune 500 companies, you could just charge yeah. them like four times the price. Just uh, they'd get like pay. a little bit more handholding, et cetera. But that's, that would have a cost essentially. Yeah, but so th this price price guideline is just a guideline to follow. As I said before, more expensive does not mean necessarily better quality. Once you're above, once you're at three cents, the difference between a three cents and a six cents writer per word is random, at least yeah. in my, my experience. Some writers charge more just because they, they have more potential clients or they have... They don't have much much time, so they can afford to do that. Um, it's like a supply and demand thing. Some charge more because they genuinely are better writers, and some charge more just because they decided that's how much they want to charge. Because they're there to ask, actually. It's like, yeah. That's it, you know? Yeah. Because people are willing to pay for it. So, uh, you know, your mileage may vary on this. If you if if you want to share what you're paying for writers, or if you have some cheaper or you, you decide to pay much more for some reason then do leave us a comment let us know i'm really curious to see what you guys uh yeah atarihacker.com slash 68 that's where you can go leave a comment yeah um but the, the other thing i also want to talk about i know this is like 52 minutes so this is gonna be another long yeah podcast, <laughs> there's, there's one more thing i want to talk about is like like who to hire so i talked about the the recruitment process of the like uh, the the filter 
and but there's like a kind of a decision that you need to make after you've gotten lots of information you've seen test articles you filtered it down it's like which of those people do you hire the best advice i can give for that situation is just trust your gut it's there's a really famous experiment that was done and it might sound irrelevant irrelevant but it's it's actually applies quite well here so basically what they did was um they got this was like some in some U.S. university like 20 years ago or something. It was a double-blind experiment, and they got two groups of students to come in, and all they had to do was pick a piece of art off the wall, and they could take it home. Now, group A just got to pick anything they want and take it home. Group B, they had to say why they picked that group. Sorry, why they picked that piece of art. And the, the real experiment uh, was actually done six months later when they were see- when they surveyed them all and they say they said who has who still has that piece of art on your wall now and the people that didn't have to justify it to the experiment giver had it for much longer like 80% of them had it the full 6 months and about 80% or something like that of the people who did have to justify it didn't no longer had that art on the wall and the reason for that is there's something in the human brain about the way you justify certain artistic or qualitative things which is uh which is just not really very easy to do now why is this important for hiring writers is because there's not really any hard and fast rules about like what makes good content it really comes down to you and your like observation of that now obviously you can say if someone's missing deadlines or their you know grammar and spelling is bad then you know that's obvious but What's the difference between someone like two people who meet all those criteria and, you know, have high motivation and everything else and and whatnot? What's the difference between their their content? It's very hard to quantify and it can be very hard to give feedback to people who who apply. I'm trying to do that at the moment. It's quite difficult to actually explain why we chose one person over the other. But really just just trust your gut and go with that. It's the best best uh, decision making process you can go through, at least in my experience. Do you have anything to add for that? Not really. I think you went quite deep into that. I think we should wrap it up with the tips to basically make the whole thing work better that you had. Okay. So, I mean, the first thing is before you even consider hiring a writer is to template your content. So if you're doing a lot of reviews or specific kinds of content, question posts, things like this, uh, which are consistently happening, like make content templates break down okay this is the introduction this is this part what what goes there so and once you've templated that you'll find it much easier to like scale your your content production if you're an authority hacker pro member we have a full blueprint i think it's outsourcing content what's it called outsourcing content it's uh, creating and outsourcing high quality content yeah so all of our blueprints are in there so our templates are in there rather so um go go and grab those so the, the second thing is, the second sort of pro tip would be to get as many applicants as you can, like spend money on the application process because, you know, an extra 100, 200 bucks here or there is totally worth it when you've been working for a, with a good writer for even a few months' time, you get that uh, return quite quickly. Yeah, I'd even uh, argue that if you're not ready to spend that money, you're probably not ready to hire someone. 
True. Like it's it's gonna cost money to hire someone. It's gonna cost time too. So if you're not ready to, if it feels like it's not right, then maybe you're not at the point where you should hire someone, or maybe you're at the point where you should use you know text broker and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So how that manifests itself? If you're using ProBlogger, pay the 140 bucks for the highlighted premium featured job ad. If you're using Upwork, you know hire 10 people or five people and have and uh, to have them all do one test paid test article. It's you'll just get a lot a lot better throughput in your your job ad there. Once when you are working with with people, once you have made that hire, as Gail said, like expect that there will be that onboarding, that training, that back and forth like time. They're not going to be perfect straight away. Make sure you do check their work consistently, or if you can't do that, hire an editor who can do that. Acts as a sort of like check and balance in the the content creation process. Yeah, that's why we have a non house ambition. Yeah. One thing that's worth mentioning as well is if you think about it from the writer's perspective, it takes a lot of time to find new clients, to go through the application process, to onboard, to to just search for new job ads and, and, and all that. And anytime they're doing that, it's time they're not making money. So if you have a big website or you've been going a while or you can be very consistent in what you're ordering from them, then it's a good thing to do in your job ad is to sell them on that consistency. So that's why in, for the health ambition one, I say, you know, we, we've been going for X number of years. We want to order this amount of articles every single week consistently. And they know it's kind of like a, a bit more of a sure thing. A lot of clients will say like, oh yeah, I want to hire a writer. And then they'll, they'll have all this content ready to order. They'll order some and then they won't check it for two weeks. Therefore, there'll be a gap before when they're ordering the next amount. And it's just a little, little bit uh, inconsistent for the writer in terms of how much money they're making regularly. So if you can offer that or sell them on that, then it's, it can attract a lot more writers as well. And yeah, that's pretty much it. That's that, those are. That's my, it. That was pretty short. Rain dump on hiring writers. I think that was a little short. I mean, we're sorry, guys. Like we'll be a little bit longer next time. But we're gonna wrap it up. And I'm gonna remind you that Atari Hacker Pro is launching soon, and we haven't launched it for like eight or nine months. So if you want to hear about it, at least about the launch, if you want to have more information, even if you're not sure, you can sign up to the early bird list on Atari Hacker dot com slash pro you can also see all the show notes for that episode on atariahacker.com slash 68 and we'll see you guys next week we hope you had a good easter i forgot to say that in the intro as well because i basically forgot everything in the intro but thanks for listening and see you next week bye guys thanks for listening to the authority hacker podcast if you enjoyed this show don't forget to rate us on itunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium authority hacker training